Welcome back to the Meet St. Louis podcast, the show taking you behind the scenes of your favorite restaurants, breweries, and small businesses across the St. Louis area. I'm your host, Alexis Zotos with KMOV. For many, tamales are a holiday tradition, but for Doug Marshall, they're an all year round food. That's because Doug is better known as the tamale man. He owes much of his success to the women in his life. His love for cooking came from his grandmothers, one of them is who taught him how to make tamales. And he wouldn't have become a popular farmer's market staple if it wasn't for another woman, his wife. Marissa wanted to start an organic farm, and while they waited to be certified, they decided to get their foot in the door at the local markets by selling tamales. Now it's really a family business. Doug is helped out by his wife, his children, and of course has become a very popular fixture at markets across the St. Louis area. We sat down with Doug in this episode to talk about family, food, and his reaction to when customers started asking for vegan tamales. So let's meet Doug. Thanks for joining us. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm honored, uh, given your list of previous guests. Oh, so. well, thank you so much. Yeah, you know, we're lucky to have such an incredible food and restaurant uh, scene here in St. Louis, and you've been in it for quite some time. I have, I have, uh, both in the restaurant end and then recently, these last five years, in uh, making tamales. So, You know, how did you transition from the restaurant to, to what you're doing now? I don't want to say it was a lot. It was an offhand comment, really. Uh, my wife and I were trying to transition into farming, mm-hmm. and we and we do currently have a uh, USDA certified organic farm. So it was her uh, desire to, you know, she was doing. She's a very research oriented person, mm-hmm. and she, she was trying to look. She was investigating all the farmers markets in the area, and uh, you know, everybody had a wedding list. You know, Targro. I mean, everybody. You know. And she's like, well, we got to do something. We can't, you know. And I'm like, we have nothing to, you know, we can set up a table and a tent. And there's nothing to sell. Nothing to sell yet. And she was like, well, we got to do something. And I was like, well, I don't know. See if we can do, you know, make some food or something. And and she's like, well, like, well, you know, like what? And I was like, oh, I mean, tamales or something like it. So it really, it was, that's. It was just an offhand. It was just an offhand comment. And, uh, and, uh, and then even then we couldn't get into anybody, any, any of the markets. And uh, so finally, uh, she had talked to everybody, and then the last person that was kind of hopeful was uh, Schlafly Market mm-hmm. on Wednesday nights. And uh, she had talked to Brian DeSmet, who was the the uh, market manager at the time, and he was like, yeah, you know, I don't know. So I said, well, let me call him. So I called him, and, and I talked to him. I said, hey, listen, this is, you know, this is not tacos and, you know, the usual street fair. I go, this is something that's very... Uh, unique, mm-hmm. uh, unique to make, and uh, and he says, "Well, we have a, I have a meeting tonight with the board, and I'll let you know tomorrow." And he called me tomorrow next day and said, "Okay, you're in." So it was awesome. So at that point, had you started? I mean, you this wasn't going to be your first take at tamales. Oh no, no, no! <laughs> I'd been making tamales for quite some time, and so you uh, didn't have to practice or, or kind of hone in on a recipe. Or did you? No, the the pork tamale I'd been actually been working on probably for 10 years Wow! and uh you know just little tweaks and and i still to this day make a little tweak here and there and 
and uh, the chicken tamale we made was a was a total do-over because I wanted something different and uh, that's how I, I you know I was I was just focused on making what I thought would be good mm-hmm. and unfortunately this it was a pipion style sauce so it had What's lots that of mean? it's just a, a me, it's it's like saying marinara versus it's just a earthy real earthy sauce it use uh toasted sesame seeds and pumpkin seeds as a mm-hmm. thickener and uh you know you grind them up blend them up and but it also has peanut butter in it or peanuts okay i, I use peanut butter but uh yeah i wasn't really cognizant of all the <laughs> food allergy things sure, that were occurring sure. so uh so you had to shift gears we, a little bit? We had to shift gears, yeah. In fact, we just did a total redo, oh, I guess, about two months ago. Okay. So what was that first market day like? Well, funny thing is, we, we when I they gave me the address of Schlafly. Uh, two of my daughters worked at Southwest Diner at oh, okay. the time. So I said, well, we got to get ready, and we, we had the cart, and we had all the things ready, but we had to go get the permits get the card inspected and all that. I went to the city because I just assumed it was in the city. <laughs> so, well, there's one in the city. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, uh, so yeah, so it was like, I got all the stuff and like, Dad, it's St. Louis, you know, we showed him all the stuff. Oh, this, we're in St. The Louis. Oh, you're kidding me, right? It's, <laughs> Southwest is like two blocks away. Right, it's know? like right there on the line. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so we missed the first market actually. So, but we were at the second. <laughs> so, what was the second market like? It was uh, it was it was fun. You know, it's a totally different vibe than the than the restaurant. Uh, you know, people are just motivated to be there and and looking for different things. Mm-hmm. You know, that they so can't find the grocery store. Familiar with tamales? Did you have to kind of walk? Well, there was two camps through? there. Yeah, there was the oh my god, it's tamales, and oh my god, what's a tamale camps? So uh, yeah, they. Uh, <laughs> And for people who are in the, oh, my God, what's a tamale camp, what is a tamale? Uh, a tamale is like, um, well, it's just a, a masa. It's wrapped in a corn husk. Depending on the region of Mexico, a lot of, there's a lot of banana leaves in use, too, in the coastal areas. But uh, it's basically a, a masa and, a, and, a, and not necessarily meat, but a filling wrapped up in a corn husk and steamed in a corn husk, which imparts that flavor as well. Uh, but really, I mean, it's... Uh, tamales like the original hot pocket. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, back in way back when, uh, I, I don't know all my tribes with Toltecs, Aztecs. You know, that was their food that they prepared in mass and carried with them and can eat it anytime. Mm-hmm. So it's like the original carryout food, so. <laughs> which is always good. You just have one in your pocket. You know? Yeah, exactly. Good to go. Hot pockets. So, like, <laughs> so Jim Gaffigan moment. So you know, what w- did you just start with one or two times? We started or? with. Just the pork and the chicken. Just the pork and the chicken. And then, uh, you know, the vegetarians uh, were pressuring me to make a tamale. And I kept saying, oh, yeah, I'm working on work. Because I'd never had, a, you know, I, I'd really had only had. You're a meat guy? No, it's not that. I mean, I'd only ever had pork tamales. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what we, we had grown up. And and, uh, and that was it. So, and even the chicken was a kind of a stretch. You know, originally the chicken was just. Originally, I just had a green pork tamale and a red pork tamale. Mm-hmm. So when people were on the chicken bandwagon, uh, I just converted the green pork into chicken. Mm-hmm. And so, but yeah, so then I kept putting them off and Marisa, my wife said, you know, you better, you keep telling these people you're working on, you better work on it. So, <laughs> so I did. So I was trying to think of things that were indigenous to Mexico, squashes and corn and poblano peppers and things like that. And 
I made it not really knowing what to expect, and, and, and people really went crazy for it. In fact, there were people, which I was baffled by, but, I mean, you know, people were like, oh, we like this one better than the pork and the chicken. I was like, no way, you know. But uh, And the funny thing was is that, you know, I wanted, you know, texturally, you know, steaming a bunch of vegetables is not going to be, there's mm-hmm. no crunch. So I took, I toasted pepitas, pumpkin seeds, and put them in there. And people, that's what people noticed the most. That was that, that Oh, my God, what are these green things? Oh, those are pepitas. What's that? Oh, it's pumpkin seed. You know, I toast them, and they're like, Wow, these are great. So, what was that? I mean, what was that feeling like to kind of really find this this spot of what people were searching for that maybe didn't even know they were looking for? Well, I mean, it, it's it's always fun to be challenged. You know, it's always fun to be challenged, and I just you know I just always try to make the best version of what I think is going to be mm-hmm. good and palatable uh, for people and. Uh, and, you know, I mean, I'm sure every cook on here has told you that, you know, it's just super rewarding and fulfilling for me that when you, you know, you make something and people take it and you get that immediate feedback. I mean, that's, you know, that's still uh, that's still very... It doesn't uh, get old yet. No, it never get old. Never get old. So have you been cooking since you were young or what's your first kind yeah. of foray into, into cooking? Well, uh, you know... My name's Doug Marshall, and so people question that. But my my mom's name was Guadalupe Guerrero, so I I'm always fond of telling people that I'm half Mexican, half mm-hmm. Tennessean. Cause okay, my, my what part dad, of Tennessee? And what part of Mexico? Linden, Tennessee, was oh. my grandfather. Okay, yeah, ninety miles southwest of Nashville. Gotcha. And uh, and you know, my grandfather. It was during the Depression. They you know they came up here, and uh, they were my mom and dad were actually neighbors. No way. And like, yeah. And, uh, but they hated each other initially. So, uh, uh, but, uh, so, uh, and then, um, I lost my train of thought. That's okay. So they, they were neighbors. They were neighbors and such. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but they were more like brother, you know, family Mm -hmm. friends, you know, like her, my mom's two brothers and my dad's brother were best buddies. And, uh, you know, they raised a little heck, you know, uh, back in them days, that's what you did. But, uh. (laughs) So, you know, I, so I had my, my grandma Guerrero was just, uh, you know, to this day, I, you know, I, I don't think anybody's better cooked than she was. So, uh, but then, uh, but then my mom so, passed away when I was nine. Oh, so, you know, then it, you know, my, and my dad worked six days a week, basically, uh, sometimes seven. And, uh, so, uh, a couple years later, uh, he married a, a woman who was half Mexican, half Cuban. Hmm. So, uh, so I had, so then I had the benefit of two Mexican grandmothers. So I I learned a lot from both of them. They're what both were amazing. Those lessons cooks. that you still kind of take away today from them? Just their processes, you know. Uh, my grandma Guerrero, you know, um, whipped her lard, and my grandma Inez. Uh, she melted her lard to mix in with the masa and stuff. So, I mean, just different techniques and, and things. And they both had their, you know, uh, coffee cup with the broken handle. That was their measuring cup. And they had the certain <laughs> spoon that they had to have for measuring things out. And, and uh, so, I mean, it was just, you know, back then you understand that, uh, you know, one grandma's cook, you know, tamales are an occasion, a special occasion deal. Right. It's holidays weddings you know things of that nature you know 
and no, no one had a lot of money back then and but that was that was our gift you know you went to holiday you went to christmas you knew you're going to eat tamales and eat lots of other good food and then at the end of the evening everybody took tamales home so you yeah. know grandma was always working for a week or two before each holiday why are they um a dish associated with christmas just because of that that it's just this it is a time time consuming they're labor of love you know and you know as a kid you know, you'd see all you know all the ants would get in the kitchen with grandma, and everybody would have a, a station essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, it, you know, it, it takes a it's a very collaborative effort to to make them. Do you remember being part of that? Were you allowed to be part of that little? No, 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 because they were had you know they had the gab fest thing going on, and you know talking about each other's husbands and and whatnot, but and <laughs> complaining to grandma a little bit maybe, but. Uh, no, that was an adult thing, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, but you know you observe and, and and things like that. And like I said, after my mom passed away, um, we lived with my grandma and grandpa Guerrero for quite some time till we got resettled. We had actually been living in Kansas City. My dad had got a transfer, mm. and we moved back and and we lived with them for quite some time. So then I got to see her on a daily basis instead of, you know, Sundays was etched in stone. Everybody. Might not be there all at the same time, but throughout the day, everybody it was coming by on made, Sunday. Came by on Sunday to see Grandma, to pick up a carryout, and uh, <laughs> you know, to do all that. So yeah, it was very family oriented. You know, everything's revolved around a family back then. For Absolutely. Us. Well, and you know, it seems now that that remains true that this is a, a family business. Uh, it is. It is. <laughs> uh, so, what brought you to St. Louis? What's the, what's the next step in your path? And did you think? that the restaurant and the food world was, was going to be where you would land? You know, I, I didn't. I had other aspirations. Uh, you know, I, I, I played football and stuff, so I always thought, you know, well, you know, I'll be one of the one, half of 1% that makes it. <laughs> and uh, I got a scholarship, went to University of Cincinnati, and it just didn't work out. So I was not... Uh, you weren't destined for the NFL. I was not, yeah, I was had severe discipline issues, so... Uh, <laughs> so yeah, that didn't work out, and uh, I hated for other people to tell me what to do, which is the wrong thing to do. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure that works out. <laughs> yeah, diametrically opposed. But being there. your own boss now, that probably helps. Yeah. So, but actually, I started my uh, my grandma Inez Cifuentes worked at Miss Hollings downtown. So when I was 15, I got a job down there in the summer. Okay. And, and what took, was that like? Well, I mean, I started out as a dish dog, you know, basically, and that, and that was fine. But I was soon, you know. I, I don't know if my grandmother vouched for me or there was just a shortage of personnel, uh, but I got pressed into light prep duty, fun stuff like sprinkling the paprika on the fish fillets. And uh, <laughs> they used to do a lot of, they did this uh, spinach salad type thing. And uh, that was one of my more memorable uh, tasks was to, they would put these blocks of frozen spinach in a steamer. Mm-hmm. And back then steamers weren't like they are now. They were like high pressure powered devices that you know they look like a tank <laughs> and so my job was to uh, steam the spinach but not too long and then I got to squeeze out the spinach <laughs> that was that was the fun task oh my gosh and I mean you know case after case after case you know and your hands are like you know uh, but yeah that was that was two of my most memorable uh, tasks <laughs> squeezing spinach and uh, <laughs> 
sprinkling paprika on fish fillets. So. The really challenging ones, for sure. It was, yeah, you know. <laughs> given my, you, they gave you the hard jobs, for sure. You know, 15-year-old, I figured they figured that was the limit of my imagination, so that was... <laughs> Not too much you could probably mess up. Well, I don't know, yeah. paprika on fish, you could probably... Well, I did, yeah, I mean, I got a little heavy-handed at times, so yeah, I was... I was... Uh, got in trouble for that so, so post-college where where did where did you land well, pre, well I started at Miss Hollings and then there was a place called Old Mexico mm-hmm. on Tesson Ferry long since gone um, and uh, my aunt my godmother Shirley Guerrero worked there got me a job in the summer and I pretty much worked there my junior and uh, senior years of high school and uh, there again I started as a dishwasher but then soon got to uh cook and then i was a line cook mm-hmm. you know and that was that was fun because the group of guys they brought from california um a guy named david Wadigai and uh ernie marquez it was their that was the first time i kind of had an inkling once i said well these these guys are grown men with they have children and they're working in a restaurant and this is a, a path yeah i mean me i was looking for the paycheck you know i want to get a car you know? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> really just a one-track mind as a yeah, high schooler yeah you know not much imagination but uh but i i really enjoyed line cooking and and i you know i, I got to be pretty good at it and uh, there's a thing about cooking on a line in a restaurant that is uh and only people that have experienced it i mean there is such when things are clicking and going right it is it is a it's a buzz you know you, you just you just feel like you're on top of the world kicking stuff out you know the servers are applauding you and everything's going great and you know obviously when you're in the weeds it's a whole different animal yeah. you feel like my god will this time never end but uh no it, it's it, it is a rush to to just to be kicking it out it's 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 still fun although i'm i'm old much older now so uh I don't know if my heart can take it so much anymore. But, uh, <laughs> I know we were kind of talking about meditating before we, we started the interview. Uh, that's something that you feel you sort of needed after all those years in the kitchen. I do. I do. Um, and I do it twice a day. Most days, I, I you know, I'm, I'm for sure in the morning, sometimes in the afternoon, depending on what I'm doing. But uh, it definitely just keeps me on an even keel. And... Uh, you know, I, apparently I was known in my earlier years to have somewhat of a temper. I, I don't know if that's true or not, but uh, it's definitely taking the edge off. Helping with that? Oh, yeah. absolutely, absolutely. All those years, uh, kind of that high-level stress on the line will uh, definitely it does. wear it, on you. It does. So, so yeah, so I worked at, like I said, I worked at Old Mexico, and then I left, went to college, came back, and, and I'd worked for my uncle for a bit, and um, he was a heavy hauler move large equipment machinery and stuff but uh sometimes i was hit and miss and i there again i wanted a steady paycheck so uh there was a fledgling company called uh, casa gallardo mm-hmm. in st louis and uh ray gallardo had just gotten purchased by general mills uh so that was like 1979 wow. so i started working there and uh same thing i, I started in westport mm-hmm. and uh Eventually moved to uh, the DePere location. Okay. And, you know, worked there for a few years and uh, eventually made it on the training team where they weren't a big expansion part of their their their, uh, their history. And, you know, they were supposed to open up like 88 stores. Uh, you know, that, that was their That's expansion the path. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, so I took part in opening uh, a 
few of those and that was that did was a you fun enjoy period. that aspect of kind of being on just you know a different part of the restaurant scene in terms of the training and the helping open and things like that it was fun it was grueling i mean we we'd go in there two weeks ahead of the opening and it was basically eight in the morning to two in the morning i mean that was you from start to finish and then if the first week went well you might have you know maybe get from two to five off or mm -hmm. in the afternoon but it was still a daily thing but it was it was awesome you know you got to go new places and i don't know i've always enjoyed uh, teaching other people how to do you know do things and of course my way and uh <laughs> always <laughs> other company way in that in that situation but it was um yeah it was fun it was really rewarding and and the pay was great so you know back then i mean we got a per diem and uh, I don't know, like 800 bucks a week, which was pretty good for 1979. Mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. know, and if, if the opening went super great and, you know, the, the staff was able to do it on their own, you know, get, get a little bonus and stuff. So it was, I, I, I was excited about it. So, yeah. yeah. So how long did you work with them? I worked with them until 19, oh gosh. I'm asking you for the years. That's always the tough part. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Uh, I worked for them for about two and a half years till uh, till 1981. December 26, 1981, I started working at uh, Rui's Mexican restaurant up in Florissant. You remember that date quite well. I do. I do. It was the day after Christmas, and it was madness, you know. <laughs> and they just threw me to the wolves. They're like, oh, you're not a cook? Here you go. You're working this line here. So, And uh, it was a totally different system and stuff, but, you know, I, I did okay the first day, so... That worked out pretty well. So, so they let you come back the second day. Yeah, they let me come back the second day. <laughs> Do but you find that, what have you seen in your years working at different places on the line, um, how things have changed over the years? Do you feel things have changed, uh, you know, on the line at all in terms of a better culture or a different culture? Or is it kind of all? You know, it's different in the sense that I don't know. It's it's kind of hard to explain, but um, I mean, the running joke, if you will, uh, of the restaurant business is that you know, well, I'm just going to work here till I get a real job. Mm -hmm. So, but uh, in in my younger days, like I was saying before about Ernie and uh, David, you know, these are grown men with families that were working in the business, and there was definitely a lot more, uh, you know. It was definitely more of a thing that if you were in the business, you were in it. Mm -hmm. And if you were just passing through, you were passing through. And But, you know, there, it's been known to happen that the, the, it grabs you, you know. Do you remember the point where you kind of realize, I think this is this is what I want to do and, and do this? Yeah, I don't, I think it was a gradual thing. Um, I end up. My wife and I, who, who her, her name is Ruiz, uh, we weren't married at the time, but uh, her dad wanted to retire, so and I was actually working at Chrysler at the time. I took in a sojourn from from the restaurant business. <laughs> thought, well, I'm going to get a real job because you know I, I had just gotten married. Uh, well, I was just about to get married, and I wanted to have something mm -hmm. solid, you know, that I knew I was going to do every day, day in and day out. Have weekends off, which was Still never happens. But, right. <laughs> uh, you know, I thought that would be the transition, and I would go back to school, which mm -hmm. I did. I was going to I went to various community colleges and stuff and then 
And in fact, when I was left Chrysler, I was going to St. Louis University. I decided I was going to become an English major. Oh, we're really switching gears. And uh, become a lawyer because oh, okay. I was still a, I was a big sports guy, so I thought, well, I'm going to become a, I'm going to become a sports agent. Oh, well, there you go. And I I, I was always I was a pretty good writer and and uh, and like people are shocked when I say English major when they talk to me like yeah that's just not I said well that's the kitchen influence, but uh, yeah that was okay. I finally just said this is what I'm going to do. And then when her Marisa's mom and dad said they wanted to retire. Uh, we bought the restaurant in 1986. You got sucked back in. Sucked, they, yeah, like Al Pacino, yeah, Godfather Three, <laughs> dragged me back in. But uh, so, and that was that was an eye opener because even though I had responsibilities of training, artering, you know, per, you know, personnel and such, being in business for yourself is a whole new animal. Uh, you got these pesky people that you know from. Missouri Department of Revenue and the IRS and all the government folk, all the government folk, you know, and you got to get, oh, you want to do that? Oh, you got to get a permit for that. What? You know, so. Uh, but what was it, it, it like was an working with your wife? It was great because I was, you know, that well, was great for me. <laughs> Would she have a different description? It was, she might. She might. Like I said, I had a bit of a temper, but uh, I was the back of the house. She was the front of the house. Mm-hmm. So. We worked well, and then and, and as we did it for many years, that she knew that what happened at the restaurant, you know, no matter, you know, what I said or did, or if I threw something or whatever, uh, that, you know, that was in the heat of the moment. Mm-hmm. And so we, we've had a, I mean, from my perspective, we've had a great working relationship for right. 36 years now, so... Well, and she was, like you said, kind of the, the reason for this newest venture. I mean, it... it so she was, she was, yeah, because she was just lamenting the fact that, you know, she grew up at that restaurant. So, obviously, it was very near and dear to her heart, and she just hated the thought of somebody else taking it. So, right. uh, so yeah, I got sucked back in, so... What made you guys look at doing a farm? I mean, wh- where did that idea come from? It actually happened around 2008, 2009. We thought, uh, we have a good friend of ours, uh, Tom Gokey, owned Herman Farms in Florissant. In a sense, reopened in in St. Charles. Mm-hmm. Um, I was always fascinated by, by that, having worked with food and, and stuff for so long. So we thought, well, we're going to, and with his help, and he hooked us up with his uh, uh, man, he used the, uh, wow, just had another brain cramp. I'm sorry. <laughs> Horticulturalist. Wow. Okay. Thank you. Uh, he hooked us up with him, and we were in deep discussions, had ordered trees. We we're going to have an orchard. And mm-hmm. with the same thing that Tom was doing, people come pick their own mm-hmm. apples and stuff. But uh, I don't know. Unfortunately, the economy kind of. It was a rough time. Bust yeah. at that time. So we thought, yeah, this is probably not the best time to do this. So. I mean, we lost a little money on a couple, you know, three, four grand, I think, and trees we had ordered and such. Some gave us a refund, some didn't. But mm-hmm. uh, so it was always in the back of our minds to stay in the food food business, but to maybe go on the other end of it. And uh, and then when we started doing the tamales, um, I was like, you know, I can. It's so hit and miss on a lot of things. So I was like, well, you can practice, and so you can grow stuff for me. So, so she did. She grew, 
you know, all of our peppers, poblanos, jalapenos, serranos, I mean, every pepper, tomatillos, uh, bell peppers, tomatoes, zucchini, I mean, you name it. And that was her practice, and then she decided she liked it. It was rewarding for her, so that she said about, and I, I won't say I was against it initially, but she's like, well, I think we should do organic. And I'm like, Why? <laughs> all the bugs and all that. Yeah, you can't put no miracle grow on it or no. anything, you know, no fertilizers. And she says, I just think it's the way way to do it. So I was like, okay. And we had both had a, had a, some uh, health issues and that, that, that propelled her in that, mm-hmm. in that regard really as well. To really look in that direction. So, so, yeah, she went about the process of doing that, which is, I mean, a paperwork that would fill this studio here you thought the government was coming before <laughs> oh my goodness yeah and uh and who did and we because we uh had used for we used our property for hay because mm. she has some horses she has two horses and three or three horses two ponies excuse me i'm not going to tell you their names even though she would want me to um <laughs> you can tell us no i'm not going to uh, <laughs> do you know their names i do but uh, okay. <laughs> i don't know which one's which but i do know their names <laughs> But, uh, just call in their general direction. Yeah, yeah, that's her. That's her shindig. Yeah, that's not. That's not me at all. She always wants me to write. I said, "What are you trying to punish him or something?" Yeah. Uh, but uh, so she did that, and it took us three years to get certified. And where where is your as farm? Just on your. Property? It's out in Wright City, Missouri. Okay. Uh, not in Wright City proper, but in that between Wright City and Warrington. And uh, so she went about that process, and uh, my youngest daughter, who's just also a chef mm-hmm. um, she's worked at salt Winslow's home pasteria and and uh, decided she wanted to get out of the business so she went to a horticultural school in Merrimack and uh, so they work together now it's kind of their it's kind of their thing I just build stuff for them you built stuff for them yeah. so did you know I mean did you have a sense that your kids would kind of find interest in the business uh, did you kind of steer that want to steer them away from it? I did, I did, I I, I discouraged them and and a couple have escaped. You know, uh, my daughter Chloe works at Square and her, her my her sister Natalie just started Square Monday. Oh. Yeah. Uh, but my oldest son has been roped in. My oldest Rachel, who you've spoken with, is mm-hmm. uh, she's the driving force behind the Tamale Man. She's yeah. she is the organizer. She's the social media guru. You know, I don't, I don't do Facebook or anything like no. that. So yeah, people say, oh, I saw it on Facebook. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, because that, I mean, having a business like this where you're kind of, you know, it's not a specific location, social media is, is huge, I imagine, for the business. Oh, it's absolutely huge. Yeah. The only thing I have is Instagram and that's just to keep track of where we're going to be. <laughs> Although I don't, I don't do, do markets know? anymore. I just, I just make tamales. Mm-hmm. And like I said, all of my children, I have seven, uh, have participated at one time or another or or help out when, when we need it. So, and for me, I mean, as much as I didn't want them to be involved in it, in the restaurant business, it, it's super rewarding for me that we can work together and, and be together a lot and uh, that we still get along. So. Yeah, that's always good too. <laughs> that's always helps. Well, you know, it's, inter- helps. it's really fascinating because, you know, we talked about that, you know, it's such a labor-intensive process to make these tamales that for so many people is, is a special occasion. Mm-hmm. Uh, how long are you? I mean, can you walk us through what a, what your day to day looks like when we're talking about our, making all these tamales? Our biggest production days are Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Okay. And you know we've got it done pretty good. We we do some 
prep on Saturday and Sunday, marinating things, you know, uh, uh, prep and veg. You know, we we go through a lot of poblano peppers. No, I bet. Um, and uh, so much, so many poblanos that I told my kids we should get one of those roasters, you know, like they use at the Hatch Chili Festival. <laughs> you know, with the, you know, I was like, because we, we do them on a stovetop. We take all the grates off the grill and, and lay them over the stove and re roast them like that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and they're like, Dad, can't we, isn't there a canned chili we can use? No, I'm sorry, this is the way it is. Yeah, yeah, why is that important for you that it's done this specific way? Well, I mean, there's just, I'm always a person that likes to be proud of what I do and know that I've given, you know, everything I can to, to whatever I'm doing, whether it's cooking food or building a chicken tractor, because we, we have chickens too. Uh, chickens and ducks, actually. Chickens, uh, ducks, ponies? Just yeah, chickens and ducks, yeah. We do <laughs> Might as well be Grant's farm over there. Well, <laughs> yeah. yeah, no pigs yet. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's working on me, but I'm like, I'm still resisting. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, it's just, you know, my dad always said it's the right way to do things in the wrong way. And so I've always, that's kind of been my mantra throughout the years. This is, it's a pain in the neck. I know it's a pain in the neck. It's time consuming, but this is the way we have to do it. If you want, you know, if you want it, if you want to get that wow, and, and all my children are addicted to that too. Um, if you want that wow factor, this is the way we got to do it. So that's the way we do it. How many tamales are you making a week? At this point, I wouldn't even hazard a guess. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. Um, I, I seriously w- couldn't tell you. Couldn't couldn't tell us the guy. I just know that some days there's more than others. You know, some okay. week, yeah. <laughs> but no, the process begins, like I said, on on the weekend, and then Monday come in. We we have all our our meats marinated. Uh, we roast them. We clean them. Mm-hmm. That's another time-consuming deal to break down pork butts that have been roasted in and. You have to let them cool a little bit, but you don't want them to cool too much because it's so much easier to get the right. the gelatinous stuff out of there and all that. And uh, there again, my kids like, well, you know, the barbecue places they just chop that whole thing up. I was like, yeah, I just can't can't do that. Can't do gotta that. Do it your gotta, way. gotta get rid of this stuff. Yeah, it's you know, it probably would mix in the mole and nobody would notice, but it'd be that thought in the back of your. Yeah, I said, you know, I tell them, you know, when you bite into something, you think that was different, but you. You finish eating it and you think, okay, well, it was all right. But you know, I said I don't, you don't want, want someone to think just that. I don't want right. that. I don't want that. Yeah, I don't. I don't want somebody to have that thought in their mind. What did I just bite into? So, yeah, we we break them down complete. So we do and that. Then you got the assembly. No, no then no. That's just this is Mondays. <laughs> like I said, then we. Then I'm I, jumping ahead too much. I make the moles. I make uh. the mole for the pork, mole for the chicken. My son Rudy, who's in charge of production overall. Um, they they break down all the veg they make and they make the sweet potato black bean tamales and the veggie tamales on Monday. We uh, get the moles, we get the meat mixed in, and then we we have we give them an ice bath, popsicles, the whole shebang to cool them down super fast. And then the next day we come in, and then then it's masa masa preparation, and then the the time consuming thing is the corn husks because we gotta you gotta soak the corn husk in water. They have corn silk in them, which people would say, oh, there's a hair. No, it's corn silk. Mm-hmm. So we make sure we get rid of all that, lay those out, and then that's when the production begins. So 
we're getting pretty good. We can we're getting. I'm I'm guesstimating we probably can knock out if we have a full complement of people, which minimum is about five. We can. You don't have that line of grandmas though. You know? No, we <laughs> but we have a line and uh, we can knock out about twenty to twenty five dozen an hour. So that's a lot. That's, that's a, a lot. lot of tamales. It's a lot of tamales, but uh, and then we. Get them in the freezer right away, and then uh, Wednesdays is just basically, like I said, we wrap the tamales, we lay them out on trays, we put them in the freezer, the next day we come in, wrap them, and then, then put them in the bags, they're ready to go. Ready to go. Now, at the holidays, even though this is something that is kind of consuming at all times of the year for you, mm-hmm. are the holidays still a, a, a big thing in terms of tamales for you and your family? For us personally yeah. or for the public? For you personally. For us personally? You know, we we eat them every you eat them every, all, the time. all the time. Yeah, so it's, it's not a, it's not really a holiday. It's thing. lost its it's lost its uh, it's lost its uh, appeal in that regard. No, we eat them all the time. Mm-hmm. I I mean I I've been eating the sweet potato black bean ones here recently, so I'm trying to cut down on my cholesterol a bit. <laughs> but uh, and but then for the public, friendly. I imagine you guys really we get up. we get a lot of orders for the holidays. We get a lot of orders for the holidays, which is we're grateful for and. Uh, Especially from uh, amongst the Hispanic people, and, and, and but not even it's not even limited to them. It's just people that saying, "Hey, you should try these," and and uh, you know they'll do that. That'll be one of their dishes for the holidays. So, so we, we you know we're super excited about that all the time. Uh, summertime's great too because you got to hey, I'm going down to the lake this weekend. I need to get a couple dozen tamales, and because they, I mean, really, it's uh, not to quote Ron Popeil, but it is a set it and forget it thing. You put it in a pot, you have your water, you put the lid on it, hour hour and fifteen minutes later, they're ready to go. So uh it's kinda hard to kinda hard to mess up. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's kinda hard to mess up. I mean it, it people now come back, you know, they give us feedbacks, so, Oh, I cooked these in a rice cooker or I used yeah. an Instapot and they're like, Well tell us what you did and yeah. now, then we pass those instructions on, say, Well, this is how we do it, but you know, these other people use it to success so mm-hmm. in fact uh my uh, one of my all my sons now have we used to have an induction cooker with a pot and do it that way and now they all use instapots at their markets well there you go so it works out great I imagine, off about 15 minutes i, I imagine it's it's got to be really rewarding to see the number of people that maybe started off saying wow what is this thing mm-hmm. that now are repeat customers and and kind of bringing this food to other people's homes I gotta, I gotta tell you, I, I, uh, I am uh, blown away by how this thing is taken off. You know, I, I, I would have never expected this in a, you know, in a million years that 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 we would be making as many tamales as we are, and that that people would be as receptive to them as they are. And uh, yeah, it's it's been it's literally mind-boggling for me to to think that. What started as an offhand comment, <laughs> basically, uh, has blossomed into into this. So, I'm, you know, I'm jazzed about it. I'm jazzed because I know it's something that my children can carry on, and do, um, and and something they can be proud of and tie it to our family and and such. So, yeah, it's it's it's, it's been incredible. Head over to The Tamale Man on Facebook for a full list of where you can find their tamales each and every week. 
And whether you are eating tamales or ham or turkey, we here at the Meet St. Louis podcast wish you a very happy holiday season. This episode was produced and edited by J.J. Bailey.